Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to 1865, the Nottingham Forest podcast, and to our end of season Forest Ramble discussion show. I'm your host, Rich Ferraro, and in this podcast, we're going to talk about the player of the season, the goal of the season, and the best moment of the season, and so much more. We're going to have more about Stevie Cooper and why he is so damn good. We're going to hear from the Forest supporter who's an ambassador for her game too. All this and more, and we're joined once again by Jeremy Davis with the 1865 sketch. We hear from friend of the podcast, City Ground Stadium announcer, Mark Dennison. And we have the return of our old faithful quiz, Guess That Red. All coming up in this episode of 1865, the Nottingham Forest Premier League podcast. Now, let's say hello to today's panel, and I want you to tell me your favourite moment of the season. So I'm going to start off with Old Faithful. Baz, how are you doing? Oh, yeah, I'm all right. Um, yeah, best moment of the season for me was pretty much the entire second half at uh, the end of the season at Arsenal, um, but especially at the final whistle. Cool. And and listeners, you can go back and listen to Baz's reflections on that in our match report, which is in this feed. I'm going to say hello to Stephen Topless. Hello. My favourite moment of the season is probably away at Leicester, the chance for Steve Cooper when we're 3-0 down and the fans show their support for Cooper I was in amongst it as well, and it was like nothing I've experienced before to be so out of the game as we were, but the fans were constantly singing Cooper's name in that second half for a good 20 minutes. It was incredible, and I think it was a key moment because I think that played a part in Cooper keeping his job. Yeah, potentially season-defining stuff there, and and as I said in the intro, we're going to hear, uh, we're going to talk about that a little bit more. A little bit later on and last but not least for this morning good morning tom newton good morning so my favorite part of this season if you asked me the middle of last week before the crystal palace game i would have said the arsenal game which uh, secured our premier league status for next season but having gone to south london last sunday and uh, been in the middle of the crowd uh, singing Wacka Wacka, walking through London Bridge Station with all the tourists that filming is in all of us. Um, I'm going to say Crystal Palace away because uh, to go to a Premier League game this season, especially away from home with no pressure, it was absolutely brilliant. Mm, and uh, it made it a joy for me trying to uh, edit in the, 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 the footage that you'd taken of the... Uh of the fans singing the song, but also we're not supposed to have swearing on this podcast. So uh, I had to be a bit careful with the editing there, but uh, it was quite a special song and a really special way of, of finishing off the season. Yeah, Baz. 
Uh, just to add in, um, I went to my office, which is in Leeds, uh, yesterday to sort a few bits and pieces out. And out the window, I could hear a load of people singing the Wacka Wacka song as well. So it's spreading. The and it's been continuously. What? The forest the version? Yeah, the forest version. <laughs> oh, wow. Amazing. The, Amazing. Did, you, did you look further down the street and see Sam Allardyce sobbing in his beer? <laughs> <laughs> in his pint of wine? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay, let let's let's move on. We're going to hear from some of our other podcast team a little bit later on, but but we're going to have a think about what's happening at the city ground and the big news. Obviously, since the season ended, um, has been the uh, the fact that the club have confirmed their retained list. Hi, it's Callum with the 1865 News. We had the retained list released the other day, so we've discovered that 12 players will be leaving the club uh, after the expiration of their contracts. So we are saying goodbye to Andre Ayew, Cafu, Jack Colback, Billy Fuster, Alex Gibson-Hammond, Ryan Hammond, Nicky Hogarth, Adnan Kanyarich, Jesse Lingard, Lewis Salmon, Jordan Smith and Lyle Taylor. Um, but we did find out that Serge Aurier has had his contract extended for another year, so he'll be a part of the squad next season, which is great news. Um, we've had some news that Forrest are looking to offload John Joe Shelby this summer after the alleged arguments with Steve Cooper, and it sounds like uh, Shelby's keen to leave himself for some more playing time, um, so they'll be looking for suitors for him. We've heard similar about Emmanuel Dennis again, um, that he may be up for, um, well, available for transfer. Um, Remo Frehler, he's been called up to the Switzerland squad. And um, the last kind of bit is that Forrest is still looking at Renan Lodi and Dean Henderson. I think Dean Henderson's looking more likely at the moment with David De Gea signing a new contract for Man United. But obviously the, the price tag is a bit steep, so they may be working on that. And we know that Renan Lodi, uh, Forrest are trying to get that price tag down a bit as well. But there will be competition for that. Um, and he may be looking to try and get into a club uh, that will be playing European football. But hopefully, uh, Forrest can get something sorted out. But yeah, thank you. And I'll be back with the news soon. Panel, any surprises with the retained list? And, and, and how different do you think our squad will look by the start of the new season? Um, Stephen, I'm going to start with you. No surprises with the retained list, as far as I'm concerned. I think the players who are leaving, some have served Forrest longer and better than others. Jack Colback, for example, it's a, a shame that he's leaving, but really at his age and given the injury trouble he's had this season, it's the right time to let him go. And we thank him for his service and the role that he played in getting Forest where they are now. So I think he'll always be looked back on fondly by Forest supporters. And it's a shame it didn't work out for Jesse Lingard. I really wanted it to, but to come in on a free transfer as he did wasn't really too much of a risk because if we were going down now, he'd be leaving the club as well. So, you know, it's it's not worked out for a year's contract, but by all accounts, he's played a big role in the dressing room as a cheerleader when he's not been fit to play. And that's an important role he's played for us this season. And yeah, it's a, it's a shame it's not worked out for him on the pitch. Jordan Smith, Lyle Taylor, again, not really surprised with those two. Uh, I think they'll get picked up by championship clubs. And from the loan period, uh, from the loan point of view, hopefully we're going to re-sign Henderson. Navas, I think, will get picked up by a team in Europe somewhere. And it would be nice to keep hold of Ren and Lottie, but I think it's it might be family issues that might prevent that from happening. But all in all, I think we're the squad is going to look similar to what it is now, but with a couple of additions over the summer, nowhere near the amount of movement that we had last year. Tom, um, yeah, with, with Renan Lodi, we we all saw him in tears at the end and we saw his Instagram post about how it's been a, a really emotional season for him. Um, you know, he moved to Forest with the hope of getting in, in, in the World Cup squad and it didn't work out for him. I guess you could say the same for Henderson as as well as a couple of others. Jesse Lingard probably hoped for the same. Um, I mean, anything to add to what Stephen said about about some of those players? No, I think Stephen's uh, nailed it with um, with all the players he's, um, he's mentioned. And uh, yeah, I think just to add with Jesse Lingard, um, I mean, he got absolute penalties last year from um, 
people at, um, in the media, i.e. talk sports about his move and everything. But when a player doesn't get much of a pre-season, the season to follow is just going to be an uphill battle of uh, playing so many games and keeping yourself fit. And I think ultimately, apart from like, you see like, little bits of um, decent performances from Jesse, it, for whatever reason, he just couldn't stay fit. And I think, first and foremost, I think missing the pre-season had a massive um, effect on him being a greater influence this season. But from the sidelines, he could have just like stayed in Manchester or whatever, but he was there for every single home game um, and everything, which um, he's been brilliant in terms of this team spirit. And um, yeah, I, I, for what he's brought to the club as a cheerleader, um, I think he's, I think we're going to be, uh, miss him on that extent. But yeah, just missing a pre-season is absolutely um curtailed his season um, for what he wanted the season to be. And and Baz, uh, Forrest spent, I think it's £165 million, I think, in transfer fees, obviously more in wages. The fact that we've stayed up justifies that, doesn't it? So actually, in that respect, Lingard on a free, even on big wages, um, wasn't that big a deal, I guess. Um, but I want to ask you as well, Two, two names on the list that we haven't talked about yet. So firstly, Chris Wood, because from conversations you and I have had on this podcast before, there's a suggestion that, that Wood was someone that Steve Cooper actually wanted, even though there's the idea that maybe he struggled to fit in a little bit. Yeah, it's, um, it's a funny one. So I've seen a couple of things from journalists saying that, that it was uh, he was a Cooper signing. Um, Part of me is like that there's, I think back to when, I'm sure I've said this on here before, actually. Uh, I think back to when Billy Davis signed Delhi Adebola and I was like, what the hell are we doing signing him? He's not a Forest style player. We've got no use for him. What's he going to do for us? And actually it turned out to be a genius signing because he gave us that presence upfield that would just hold, make the ball stick higher up the pitch when we needed to hold on a little bit. And although Chris Wood's a very different type of player. Uh, one, my Newcastle supporting friend says he's very, very good at doing a high press. And obviously this season, we've not had the chance to do a high press. We're going to talk about style of play later, I guess. But um, if we are playing a high press, then apparently he's very, very good at that. And two, he could probably make the ball stick in, a, in a, when when Tywo's like tired or whatever. So I can see there are benefits to it. He's just not had the chance to, to show it yet. And do you think maybe that he... In some ways, he's he ended up playing more than Cooper would have intended uh, because of Taiwo's injury and the lack of options up front. Because there, there were times that Wood was in there and he wasn't looking fit. The ball wasn't sticking. Um, he looked like a fish out of water. Yeah, and and he was ending up playing that sort of wide role, which requires lots and lots of movement, and that's not really his game. So mm, okay, the other I just, of... just want to quickly put, uh, put say a, a little. I mean, I agree with all this, all the tributes to Colback and and Jesse Lingard. That video of Jesse Lingard after the Arsenal game just shows the influence he had on the other players. But I'd also like to put a quick tribute into Lyle Taylor because that Bristol. I've said it before that Bristol Rovers away game was the turning. Bristol point. Rovers, a Bristol, Bristol City, City rather, yeah, yeah. Away <laughs> we were game. lower down in the league than I thought. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Yeah, but that was the turning point. That was when suddenly we we all started to believe that this this Forest side, that Steve Cooper was the man. Well, I was going to ask you to pay tribute to another player who's on that list that we haven't talked about, Kafu. Kafu, mm. who, even though he's had a minimal part to play uh, since Cooper's come in, he had cameo roles in the promotion season, wasn't in the squad at all. But I think you and I think very fondly of him, not just for the fact that he had some ability, but the fact that even when he's not been involved, he's celebrated every moment as if he personally has won the World Cup. Again, yeah, and again, it's it's similar to Lingard, isn't it? It's like the, the players that aren't playing still feel involved and still feel invested and want to be part of it, which is probably testament to, to Steve Cooper. Mm. OK, Stephen, I'm going to come back to you for a player who's staying at the club in terms of his contract situation, but there's all kinds of rumours swirling around about John Joe Shelby. So is this on the pitch, off the pitch, a bit of both? What can what 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 do you think? It's a bit of both. And if I'm being honest, I don't think we're gonna miss John Joe Shelby. He's not really contributed much on the pitch other than 
providing an assist for Bertrand Traore at Villa Park. And it looks like off the pitch, he's not really settled as a Forest player. And there's been all kinds of speculation over what's been happening with him off the pitch. It looks like he's not in Steve Cooper's plans now. It, potentially, they've had a disagreement and Cooper's frozen him out, which, by the sounds of it, that's on John Joe Shelby because I haven't, in the, what, eight, 18 months that Steve Cooper's been here, haven't heard any stories of him falling out with players or having to freeze players out, but it looks like he's had to do that with Shelby. So somewhere along the line, it's there's been a disagreement or Shelby's just not turned up and done his job. And so that's, Stephen, that's been like, a final straw. After that Aston Villa match, you and I were talking and we were saying that the thing that really... Um, ground the gears of Forest fans wasn't just that he made a stupid mistake that that you'd expect much better from an experienced Premier League player, but the fact that he was turning around trying to blame everyone else. He's trying to blame, blame Nia Cate, he's trying to blame other people. So I'm assuming that this is down to the fact that he had that attitude where he wasn't being a team player. He was saying, well, it won't me, Gov. And I'm assuming that's what Coops has objected to, Stephen. Yeah, and... One of the great strengths of Cooper's management is that team spirit that he builds at a club. And if somebody comes in and he doesn't ingratiate himself into that, a bit like Shelby and what he did at, at Villa Park, then I, I have no complaints with Cooper wanting to get rid of him. And we just put it down to a signing that's not worked out. And hopefully somebody's going to pick him up and, and we can move on. Bas. Uh, again, knowing a few people who know stuff at Newcastle, um, apparently one of the reasons Eddie Howe let him go is apparently he's terrible when he's not playing and causes all sorts of disruption. And he didn't. Eddie Howe wanted to keep him, but when it became apparent what he was like when he wasn't playing regularly, then that's why he decided to let him go. And uh, I think, you know, we use the fish out of water analogy for Chris Wood. I think big fish in a small pond is possibly one that we can use for Shelby, or at least what he thinks he is. Uh, Tom, is there anything that you want to add to the whole Shelby affair? Because as far as I could tell, he was the opposition's best player for most of his matches in a red shirt. Um, yeah, if I didn't uh, see John Shelby, or John Joe Shelby in a red shirt again, or a yellow shirt or whatever away shirt we'll wear for that day, I wouldn't lose any sleep. I think he's been, like Stephen said, and Baz has said, his some uh, signings don't work out and ultimately that's what's happened John Joe Shelby. I remember seeing him play for Charlton in 2009. It was Billy Davis's first away game and he was the best player on the park and I thought that player is going to go far but when you've got a, um, a questionable attitude, i.e. when you're not playing, I mean, it's a bit stupid really from him. It's like if the team's playing well and he's not played or whatever, you can't just automatically think he's going to just come into the side when the midfield was getting pretty much settled. So, uh, and that just shows the type of person um, he is. If you can't see that, then like the others have mentioned, uh, Steve Cooper hasn't had any problems with any players over the last, even players who probably have no chance of really playing, i.e. Lyle Taylor. He never had a problem with him. John Joe Shelby has been here literally five minutes. He's already uh, thrown his toys out the pram. And yeah, like I said, it's just one it's, one of those um, signings which haven't worked. And if I didn't see him in a forest shirt again, I wouldn't be too fussed, to be honest. And, and and Tom, staying with you, just on a very similar topic of midfielders who don't seem to have worn a red shirt, one of the retained players is Mr Harry Arter. What would you like to say about that? Yeah, I mean, he, he's had a lot of penalties in the last week, but for all the good what the club's done in the last few years, um, etc., I think this is on the club, really. They gave him that contract. They put all the terms in uh, for performance-related bonuses, etc. And Harry Arty is never going to see that money again. So I, I know people will act differently, but when 40 um, grand's been put in Eurobank every week or uh, whatever, you're not going to cancel that contract. And people are like saying, oh, why don't they just cancel the contract? Well, you've still got to pay him up, so it's still going to cost you the 40 grand a week for the remainder of the contract. So, so, so yeah, like I said, um, it, it's a mistake on the club's part, really, because um, Harry Art is not going to uh, give up that money uh, anytime soon, is he? Right. OK, so let's, let's move on, and let's move on to one of my favourite subjects, Mr Stevie Cooper. 
Uh, I was recently asked to contribute to the Observer's end of season review, and I've posted the details on our social media on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. Uh, I'll stick it on TikTok as well. But I couldn't resist sharing a couple of my observations with a wider audience. So regular listeners, you'll you'll know what I'm saying here. So I wrote this. Stevie Cooper is either the greatest con man of all time or he's a genuinely brilliant coach and a wonderful human being. The owner rightly realised that Cooper is the glue that bound the club and fans together for the last 18 months and stuck by him. Um, Stephen, that goes back to the point you were making about that Leicester match and the fans, even at 3-0 down, saying, this is the guy that we want. Yeah, and it is just that connection that we've got with him. It's it's something special. And the way that he has taken to the club, the club has taken to him back. When you've got something like that, you want to keep hold of it. And it's, I find it very telling in a season where there's been so many managerial changes, particularly at the bottom, the two clubs that have kept faith with their managers, West Ham with David Moyes and Forrest with Steve Cooper, We've we've eventually got out of trouble and stayed up, and that that night at Leicester, I'll always look back on fondly because of that moment. I've never seen that kind of backing for a Forest manager when all the signs were pointing to him leaving. Three 0 down away at and, Leicester, and would you would you would you contrast that to? Uh, I think you went to this one, the Chester City three 0 away match, <laughs> and days. Yeah. Um, that was uh, the absolute nadir, I think. There was when wh- whatever hardship we think we've got in the Premier League and how difficult it is, just cast your mind back to Chester, to Oldham on New Year's Day. All those moments under Megson, we've come a long way since. But also, doesn't it prove as well that actually, even when the performance, I mean, Leicester was probably the worst performance of the season, and even then the players, the club, the fans were united behind the manager as opposed to all of that disjointedness that we saw under so many managers of which, like you say, the Nadir was probably Megson. Yeah, and it was good to see us book the trend because for 20, 25 years, the Forest way has been when things start to go wrong on the pitch, change the manager because a new manager is going to come in and it'll just change things. But we know, or we should know better than any other club that, Chopping and changing managers doesn't work. It doesn't provide stability. And I would argue this season, that bit of stability by keeping hold of Steve Cooper has got us out of trouble. There's an alternative universe out there where we got rid of Cooper after Leicester. We brought in Sean Dyche or Rafa Benitez. We probably had a bit of a bounce. And then we sank again and I could see us getting relegated. Keeping hold of Cooper has done so much for the club on and off the pitch this season. Well, Forrester magic on and off the pitch. So that's that, that would seem to make sense. Uh, Tom, what would you like to add? Um, yeah, I was just laughing at um, going back to the Megson days and and how, uh, every single that game was uh, Megson out, wasn't it? That, um, but uh, no, uh, thankfully those ga- uh, days are long gone. And, um, and that was just from yeah. the players, wasn't it? <laughs> Yeah, if you believe, if you speak to certain players of that era, um, now I think uh, keeping Steve Cooper in the job has been the difference of, along with the fans, uh, the difference of we've always staying up or going down this season. I mean, um, Leeds have been in an absolute tailspin, haven't they, with the managers they've had, and they've ultimately gone. Leicester changed manager, Southampton did the same, and yeah, I think. Steve Cooper galvanises this city. He gets it. He knows what the club means to the city and, and everybody with it. And, um, yeah, I just hope that this um, summer he can build on what he's achieved this season and uh, try and help us to be um, like a stabilised Premier League club in the years to come. And, and Tom, just uh, before we move over to Baz, just very briefly, do you think that Steve Cooper should be in the, man, uh, in the running for Manager of the Year? Um. I think from a biased point of view, I'd, I'd say yeah. But if you look at uh, what Gary O'Neill has done, because everybody was saying Bournemouth would have been was doomed at the start of the season after that nine. Well, Scott Parker was saying it. Yeah, exactly. So I think he's done a really good job. Um, then obviously, 
Pepe, if he does get the treble this year, it's an unbelievable achievement. But some will say that he should be getting that because of the players he's got at his uh, disposal and all of that. But it's all about having the players at your disposal. It's about going and delivering. And he's he's done two thirds of that, hasn't he, as of uh, today? Um, so, I th- yeah, I think he'd be definitely my top three, Steve Cooper. And, mm-hmm. and from my... Red's uh, perspective, but I would have uh, I'll give it to him because everything what he's had to deal with, no manager's done that, so it's an mm. absolutely outstanding job. Uh, Baz, I would probably go for Unai Emery as my as my Premier League manager of the season. Um, he's shown again what happens when you get the right man in in position um, to 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 get that unity and that performance out of players uh, that that the previous incumbents couldn't do. So I think there's a parallel there with with what Cooper's managed. Um, the other uh, person who I think probably isn't getting enough praise is Thomas Frank. And what I want to say to you, Baz, is that Frank is a great example of what happens when you've got the right manager in charge, but you've also got a club strategy. What do you have to say about that? Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, they. I, I, I just had to add to, to what Tom was saying, I, I completely agree about Gary O'Neill. I've always said, you can't tell about a manager until they're really, really under pressure. Steve Cooper's been under pressure and he's, he said in his interviews, it's the first time I've been under pressure. Gary O'Neill's been under incredible pressure and he's come through it. Uh, Arteta's been under incredible pressure and he's come through it. I don't know if um, Pep's really had to live with that kind of pressure yet. Um, mm-hmm. and Unai Emery hasn't. He's done a great job, but he's not had the fans turn on him or the, the club hierarchy turn on him yet. But so he has at other clubs. That. Yeah, he has at other clubs. Um, and De Zerbi say he's not had that uh, at Brighton yet. So I, that's how you tell about someone. I do agree. Thomas Frank's done an absolutely incredible job. And the way that, um, who was it that was there before? Dean Smith. Dean yeah. Smith, yeah. Uh, but when they replaced him, I can remember Brentford saying this is going to be our strategy going forwards and it is exactly right. That's that sort of um, considered sort of patient approach. Obviously, we talked about it before. It's, it's something that we we agree with entirely. Um, whether Forrest have that in place is, a, is another matter. Yeah, and I guess in that case, you know, Steve Cooper also talks about next man up, which sometimes works and sometimes doesn't. But you look at the fact that Brian and Burmo is basically in position to take over from Ivan Tony while he's suspended that isn't an accident is it no no it's definitely um and again um i don't particularly like watching brentford play but they play to their strengths he understands his players he knows what he's doing and then he's moved them on from from that as well gradually and without wholesale changes which is which is impressive mm. um just the other thing i just have to add is um when Steve Cooper does go, because he's going to go at some point, uh, I'm going to be absolutely heartbroken. And obviously living in Leeds, I've seen what happens. And we've also seen what happens when you have a manager who dominates your club and keeps everyone together, uh, because that's what happened to us in the 90s. So that's going to be kind of um, kind of worrying. So Steve Cooper, simultaneously the new Brian Clough and the new Marcelo Bielsa. I think that's the clip for social media, lads. Um <laughs> So, uh, Tom, just very briefly, uh, do you think that the style of play will evolve next season under Cooper? Um, yeah, I do, because he had a certain way of playing last season <clears throat> and he's had to change his ideas. If he didn't change that, we would have gone uh, down because we were being opened up at the start of the season, known up every single game. And uh, he's had to like sacrifice how much possession we have in the game and just be really compact. And as you've seen in recent games, 18% possession, I think it was against Arsenal. And it's not been much more than that in recent games. So I think he, with this pre-season, I think, the, I think the, the players who are going to get in, it's not going to be obviously as much as last year. So it's, it'd be like, I don't know, probably about six or seven to be added to what he's already got. And I think he can really put... Is uh, marking the sand, and this is how I want to play. And um, Gibbs White's mentioned it on a recent YouTube um, video. He knows that's not the way Steve Cooper wants to play. And I think um, now we've we know what the Premier League's like, and we've got a really solid spine. I think we will blossom next year of having um, more of the ball and um, probably a bit of a high press rather than the low block. 
Stephen, just uh, before we move on, uh, Forrest played 38 matches, got 38 points. And if I remember rightly, I think they they scored 38 goals as well. Um, However, I think the maximum possession we'll have had at any point in the season wouldn't have been any more than 38%. So uh, in line with what Tom said, do you see that being something that Cooper and his coaching staff will want to work on? Yeah, I think they'll want to have more control in games and and adapt their style to to have a bit more about them in terms of taking the game to the opposition, being able to control a game by holding on to the ball better. I think one of the great positives of Cooper this season is that he's shown himself to be tactically flexible and open-minded when it comes to how his team plays. It could have been very easy after the losses to Brighton, to Fulham, to Leicester earlier in the season, to just stick to his guns and say, it's going to work eventually, lads, stick with it. But he found a way of tightening the team up, picking up points, and we gradually evolved and the style changed, but it it worked for our players as much as anything else. So I'm quite excited to see what happens in the summer in terms of the kind of players that Cooper brings in and how he starts to mould this team into a team that can make the push up the table and be a bit more of a a side that can take the game to other teams in the Premier League. We've seen so many teams do it, the likes of Brighton, the likes of Bournemouth, Brentford, Fulham, who have had that Premier League experience. I put them in that bracket. They can take the game to teams a bit more and I think it's time for us now to try and take our our style and mould it into into that kind of football hopefully that's what happens mm, yeah and again I think I think Brentford's a good a good parallel there in terms of their evolution in in two years of Premier League football but we need to leave it there so thank you for the time being panel in a few minutes we'll be back with some more discussions and a couple of special guests and indeed our forest quiz but first it's time for this the 1865 sketch by Jeremy Davis. All the world's a stage, and all the men and women merely players. They have their exits and their entrances, and one man in his time plays many parts. Shakespeare, it's fair to say, probably didn't have the English Premier League in mind when he wrote those famous lines in As You Like It. But they seem very apt to the state of play as we reach the climax of the 22-23 season. The Premier League is as much about theatre as it is about sport these days. Full of play-acting, witness the extravagant, dying swan routines perpetrated this season by the likes of Harry Kane and Bruno Fernandes after receiving the most innocuous of fouls. Pantomime booing, especially since the introduction of VAR. Subplots such as the short-lived European Super League plan. And this season we even had an interval, what with the World Cup. Made to seem all the more like a night at the theatre, in that no one could afford an ice cream, thanks to the cost-of-living crisis. Such has been the welcome rise to prominence of the WSL, that all the men and women really are players these days, and such is the tactical sophistication of modern-day football that one man in his time does play many parts, in that the ability to play in different positions is no longer just the preserve of the so-called utility player, such as Phil Neville, Clayton Blackmore, or the underrated forest legend Ian Bowyer. The fact that Steve Cooper is not front-runner for manager of the season, having pulled off the unlikely feat of keeping Nottingham Forest in the Premier League, as an encore to his truly miraculous feat in getting a rag-bag team of local boys and loanees promoted in the first place, just goes to underline the point that the Premier League is a melting pot of great stories. A bit like Pulp Fiction, only with fewer executions. At least, if we discount the owners of certain top-four clubs. Certainly you can't argue that Marco Silva and Gary O'Neill, to take the two other promoted teams, have been part of remarkable stories this season. Whether either of them have contained the number of twists, turns or new characters appearing at short notice is open to question. If the 22-23 Premier League season was put forward for the appraisal of the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences, the Forest fans would almost definitely win the Oscar for Best Soundtrack, even if Coops missed out on the shortlist for Best Director. Speaking of stories, everyone's gone do lally for the Luton Town story, which may even exceed Forrest's own promotion story for sheer underdog makes good value. And of course, with that notorious away end of Kenilworth Road, we're brought back to Shakespeare's reference to 
entrances and exits. Luton's rise gives hope to Oldham fans who have seen their own team tumble all the way from the Premier League to non-league since those halcyon days before Mark Hughes broke their hearts and burst their balloon with his late volley in the 1994 FA Cup semi-final. That strike signalled the end of the dream they'd been living since another semi-final in what manager Joe Royal called their pinch-me season in 1990. There has been more than one occasion in the last two years when I felt the urge to pinch myself, such has been the remarkable change at Forest. But I haven't done so, and not just because it hurts. Partly because I'm a light sleeper, so the longer it goes on, the more convinced I am that it's not a dream, that this is really happening. And partly because I can never remember my dreams. And I don't want to forget days like Leicester at home or Chelsea away. To quote a different Shakespeare play, if it be this to dream, let me still sleep. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to 1865, the Nottingham Forest Podcast. Welcome back to 1865, the Nottingham Forest Podcast. And thank you so much to Jeremy for the latest sketch of the season. Now, still to come, we're going to have a uh, another round of Guess That Red, our Nottingham Forest quiz. But in the meantime, I'm really pleased to be joined by a special guest. Now, Ellie Mollison is a Forest supporter and also an ambassador for her game too. Welcome to the podcast, Ellie. Hello, thank you very much for having me. No, no, it's, a, it's an absolute pleasure. Now, we're going to talk Forest in just a few minutes, but before we do, I'd like you to give me an idea about what is Her Game 2 and why is it important in this day and age? So Her Game 2 is essentially a campaign that tackles sexism in sport. It was initially started up as a campaign for football fans because we did notice, well, I say we, the founders, at her game too, noticed that there was a gap in terms of campaigns for sexism against female football fans. And from there it's grown exponentially. It's only been it's only been founded two years ago. And since then we've partnered with 68 of the 92 and we've gone international. We've gone into parliament. We've done some incredible things and the girls are all volunteers. No one gets paid, not even the founders or directors. And it's just an incredible organisation and I'm very privileged to be a part of it. Okay, so talk to me then about how you got involved. So I got involved just over a year ago, so last April. I saw the campaign from the very beginning. I'm not one of the founders or anything. I just obviously am a football fan and a female and so soon as they did their initial campaign launch I saw it they got something ridiculous number of views I think it was a million views in 24 hours and I really wanted to be involved with it so I sent an email kind of gave my case as to why I should be the Nottingham Forest ambassador and um, obviously being a massive fan myself season ticket holder and then yeah they took me on board and it's been a year of just so many fantastic opportunities and the girls are incredible and I absolutely love it yeah and um yeah so let's talk about some of those things that you've done because I think just even just the last sort of eight months has been quite a roller coaster mm. for you hasn't it so um amongst other things I've seen um you talking about on your social media so recently you were uh there for the launch of the women's world cup squad you have been there for the two-year anniversary for her game too and unless I'm very much mistaken you got to travel to the actual men's world cup back in December didn't you yeah I did I was very very lucky about that it was amazing it wasn't just me or anything like that 40 fans from each country were sent and to be sent out you had to be um, a a fan of the country that you're 
supporting, obviously, England. And then you have to have done something for the football community. Mm-hmm. So that's why they wanted a whole game two representative. And that was me. Excellent. So and now I'm... Um, now, feel free to, uh, to 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 set me straight on this one. Did you have any any qualms about going to the World Cup in Qatar? Bearing in mind the the moral and ethical um, issues around hosting the World Cup in that country. Yeah, definitely. I mean, from reading you, I mean, I haven't travelled to Qatar. I haven't really left Europe before, so. Anything I know about Qatar or knew about Qatar was just reading the newspaper articles about the World Cup, and it freaked me out. I I very nearly didn't go the day before. I very nearly just backed out because I was scared. I was reading up on laws and things that the news articles in England were saying about the what it was going to be like, how dangerous it was going to be for women, mm-hmm. and I was very, very scared personally as a woman. Um, like I said, I can't speak for other communities, for example, I imagine how I can't imagine how the LGBTQ plus community would have felt. I'm not going to speak for them, but I imagine it would have been a bit scary, well, scary for them as well. But actually, when I got there as a female traveling fan, and I think that is very important to make the distinction because I don't want to speak for the people who live there or other women in that country, but I'm not the only female traveling fan to say it. It was really quite safe. I felt incredibly safe. I didn't have any problems with sexual harassment, sexual assault. I went to bars and nightclubs, which is another thing that we were told didn't exist in Qatar. They do. (laughs) And um, didn't have any issues in that way, which I would unfortunately usually get in England. At Mm -hmm. English football matches, I have had problems. And it kind of made me realise that we have normalised a culture in England and thought, well, if you go to a pub, you have to expect that um, you're going to have a problem with someone. But that's not always the case. And and presumably that goes back to one of the reasons why Her Game 2 exists in the first place, which is the idea that as a woman, you should be free to be able to go to matches without fearing assault or comments or anything that makes you feel unsafe. Exactly. And I think, for example, I've had an incident um, quite recently at an away game. I won't name the club because uh, I'm going to give them the opportunity to uh, do something about it before I go name and shame people. Mm-hmm. But I did have an issue at an away game where a group of young lads gestured at me, specifically pointing me out in the crowd to take my top off. Which, come on, like, really? And I reported it, didn't get a response for weeks. They promised I'd get a response. I spoke to the health and wellbeing. And then after weeks, I decided to report it through Her Game 2, which is the only time I did eventually get a response, which is why we need Her Game 2. It just showed, without Her Game 2, I would have had no power, no way of reporting it. Well, I did report it, but no way of getting a response. And I think it is really important that women feel like they can be heard. And it's the same for other groups as well, of course, uh, not just women, LGBTQ+, ethnic minorities, a, a people with disabilities. It's really important that everyone has somewhere that they feel they can go to where they will be heard. And that's where Her Game 2 is coming in for women. Mm. Okay. Now, um, time is against us. So I want to talk a bit about Forrest. Who's been your player of the season this season and what's been your highlight of this season? I think for me, my player of the season, I think there are a few... Highly commended, like Ryan Yates deserves a mention, but unfortunately he did get injured. Um, I have to take that into account, but he's been fantastic. He dropped straight in. But for me, I'm going to have to say Brennan Johnson. Morgan Gibbs-White has been class. Felipe, as we know, has been a brick wall. And uh, But I think Brennan Johnson, the attacking threat that he has and the way other teams fear him, You've got to give it to him. You, you, uh, in my opinion, Forrest is not Forrest without Brennan Johnson. He's class. He's amazing. And um, highlight. Oh, that is. It, oh, it's gonna have to be that Arsenal game. It, it has to be. Mm-hmm. That was just. I mean, it doesn't get much better than that <laughs> feeling of. We're staying up officially. I think a lot of people didn't realise it because it was a bit convoluted of that we need this result and this result. And But it was 
yeah, just pure adrenaline, screaming, dancing, fantastic season. Lovely. Thank you so much, Ellie Mollison. Thank you for joining us on 1865, the Nottingham Forest podcast. And now it's back to the studio. You're listening to 1865, the Nottingham Forest podcast. Thanks to Ellie. And just picking up on on what Ellie said there, uh, regular listeners will know that we have a number of contributors to our podcast. And we asked some of them for their player of the season and any personal highlights. Let's have a listen. Hi, it's Callum. Um, Player of the season, I think, has to be Gibbs White. I did vote for him um, for player of the season as well. I just think he's he's too much to ignore. I think uh, Felipe came in and has been just as important since since he arrived in January. But I think what Morgan Gibbs White brings as a whole uh, is incredible, and I think we should build around him. And I think he could be one of our best players for a very long time. And I expect him to put that England shirt on soon after captain in the under twenty ones. Um, I would say the highlight of the season. I think the obvious ones Arsenal. Um, and it probably is, but I think West Ham at home, um, first Premier League win for 23 years, the goal, the sound when it went in, the sound at the end of the game, it's pretty much the same as it's been at home all season, if not got better. But that was that kind of first experience of what it was like to be in the Premier League and what it was like to be desperate for a win and then to actually end up getting it. Um, and it was short after all the, the Lingard abuse as well. So that was kind of sweet. But um, but yeah, it's been a good season. Hello, it's your old favourite here, the Maradona of the Midlands. For me, the player of the year is Ryan Yates. He's really stepped up to playing in the Premier League and he's starting to fulfil the potential he showed in the Championship. His vital importance to the team was playing for all to see when we struggled to pick up any hardly any points during the period he was out injured. But it was heartening to see him back in the team towards the end of the season and helped us to secure safety. The memory of the season has to be the Liverpool home match. It was not just the three points, but the fact that we beat a superstar-studded Liverpool side. During the years when we were in the Championship, I used to watch teams like Liverpool and sometimes they looked like they were playing a completely different sport to what we were seeing in the Championship. With superstar players like Mo Salah and Van Dijk, I thought we'd never be able to match them. But to actually beat them, it was a, heart, it was a heartening day and something that will live with me for a long time. Hi, it's Jeremy. My match of the season would be Bournemouth away. Um, Forest went behind again and obviously after the home defeat to Bournemouth with uh, those late goals had got it in trouble the equaliser from Sam Sarge was great to see uh, and actually uh, a pleasant surprise because I was following on the radio and then um, an alert pinged through on this very WhatsApp group from Maradona of the Midlands saying Super Sammy Sarge so I had advance warning of the goal before it went in same thing actually happened when Chris Wood scored against City so thank you to Maradona of the Midlands for keeping me in the loop and uh, my goal of the season would be Serge Aurier at home to Chelsea because uh, I was a bit of an Aurier sceptic when he signed uh, and was lamenting the loss of Jed Spence. Um, but I think it's fair to say he has proved me wrong and in spades. Hello there, it's Mark Dennison here from BBC Radio Nottingham for now and uh, Forrest on a match day as well. Well, what a season. Um, highlights for me, there are. <laughs> So many, generally, at home. Um, I would say, I mean, the obvious ones are Man City to Raw, Arsenal uh, final game, the Southampton game, which, which is just nuts. I think, for me, this might be a bit off the beaten track, but how about the Brighton game at home? Because I just feel that second half, something changed, something clicked, and it was almost the springboard 
for the remaining games of the season, home and away, actually. They just felt, it felt like there was a bit more fight from the boys from there on in. So for me, that was probably one of the big highlights, but there are so many. And uh, can't wait for another season in the Premier League. And I hope you enjoy your summer and Euros. Okay, so thank you very much to our contributors there, to uh, Jeremy, to Callum, to Married on the Midlands, and of course to friend of the podcast, Mark Dennison. And Mark, we wish you all the best, but obviously we're very much looking forward to you joining us at the City Ground again next season. So I'm going to ask for a quick fire round. Uh, Your player of the year, your goal of the year, your season highlight, well, we've already done season highlights, so your player of the year, your goal of the year, and your favourite chant of the year. So quick fire, Baz. Uh, player of the year, Gibbs White, by default, because he's the only one that played all season. Um, goal of the year, I think Brennan against Leeds, the technique was absolutely perfect. And chant of the year, there's been, I think, uh, Forrester Magic kept us in the league, but the Danilo one is the one that keeps going around my head. What you go for that one. Okay, Stephen. Player of the season, Morgan Gibbs-White. He's been incredible for us and proven people wrong, most notably 30 miles down the road at Molyneux, which has been nice. The goal of the season for me, Danilo against Southampton, Gibbs-White's flick to set it up and the finish. And I love Danilo's goal celebration. So anytime he scores, I'm happy. And the best chant for me, the Wacker Wacker chant at Crystal Palace. I wasn't at Selhurst Park. I couldn't get tickets, but the chant has been in my head all week. It's whoever came up with that. It was a moment of genius. And Tom, um, player of the season, it has to be Morgan Gibbs White over consistent uh, run. He's has uh, been brilliant. Um, not discounting what Brennan Johnson did earlier in the season with his um, goals and. And then in the last two months or so, uh, Tower One has been brilliant. And I think his goals has been a major factor of keeping his in the league. But on a consistent basis, uh, Morgan Gibbs was my player of the season. Uh, goal of the season is the goal against uh, Manchester City. To do that against the team, what they, well, we basically did a Man City to Manchester City, how, what they do with the football. And I think every player had a say in that uh, goal. And uh, I mean, Chris Wood, he, can't, he couldn't really miss, really. But to do that against them was just a brilliant goal. And I, I couldn't take it in at the time because you, you're like, it's just a pass across the back and everything. And you're thinking, then you turn to somebody and you, have, you say something, then you miss like a couple of passes. But then to look back at it, it's, uh, it's been brilliant. Um, so that was my goal of the season and chance of the season. Um, same as uh, what Stephen's just said, uh, whack a whack. And to do that, going from uh, station to station um, in South London last week, it was brilliant. And seeing all the tourists uh, film as it was like um, being on a uh, <laughs> at a premiere or something like that with all the uh, the tourists uh, there on the mobile phones. So, uh, so yeah, I'd say the whack a whack song last week. OK, so we can say that the 1865 player of the season is Morgan Gibbs-White. Congratulations to Morgan. Uh, for what it's worth, I would have gone for Ryan Yates as well, for the same reasons as Married on the Midlands. Um, goal of the year. Obviously, we've got a few different ones selected. I think in that case, I'm going to get the casting vote. So I'm going to go for Danilo against Southampton. So congratulations, Danilo. Oh, and um and yeah, favourite chant. Oh, it's it's so tricky, but but wacka wacka and and. Again, I wasn't at the game, but what I would say is seeing the players dancing with the fans like that is, apart from the fact it's a great chant, it's an original chant, and then seeing the players really enjoying that, even though it's a little bit of a fruity chant, um, that's something that that will stick in my mind. So uh, that's the 1865 chant of the year. Um, just Tom, as you're the one of our podcast team, and, and Stephen, you've You've been to a few away matches, but Tom's the one, along with Adam, who's been to the most. Uh, tell me about your your favourite and least favourite away experiences. So my favourite away, well, the two favourite uh, away experiences, um, Selhurst Park for the atmosphere and being in a bit of an old school um, stadium, then uh, witnessing the only away win of the season at Southampton um, just over New Year. Um, that was a pretty decent um, experience to go to because I can actually say I was there. Uh, worst away ground of the season, 
Um, Atmosphere-wise, Brentford, I, I just don't get it where this says, oh, it's really atmospheric and we was right on the segregation and their fans did absolutely nothing until they scored the two goals late on. Um, but West Ham's London Stadium, that is not a football stadium. It's a glorified, well, athletic stadium. And how they've tried to make it a football stadium, it's just weird where you've got the lower tier, then you've got like a huge platform. Um, I've never seen anything like it. Then you've got the upper tier, which seems to be in a, like a completely different postcode to the rest of the ground. Um, and I think West Ham sold the soul leaving Upton Park. And yeah, West Ham's grounds is probably the worst uh, stadium I've been to in a very long time because it's not a football stadium. And uh, just something that Stephen alluded to and I alluded to in that Observer piece as well. Uh, are we all in agreement? The 1865 award for the worst opposition fans has to go to Wolves they're salty they're mardy they can give it but they can't take it and also all I'm just going to say to them is enjoy your 35 million because we'll happily have Morgan in exchange yeah Tom I I just don't I've mentioned it before I absolutely don't get it so Morgan Gibbs White is from Stafford he's been at the club since I presume the age of 10 he's come up the age ranks he's he doesn't owe Wolves anything because in terms of it's it's graduated, they've got 35 plus million. From my knowledge, he never asked to leave Wolves. It was just like, he's just waiting for the two clubs to agree the fees, so it let him go to Forest. However, Willie Bolly, which he openly said, I do not want to play for Wolves. He didn't turn up for training. And then when we played him in the cup, he was applauded. That just baffled me, that did. And like you've just said, they... You see him on Twitter um, at the moment, but uh, I've got an extra five million for us staying up. And I mean, I've never known a fan base to be so ungrateful. You know what I mean? So, yeah, they're just the mardiest, saltiest fans I've ever come across. And I think they've taken, if you compare them to Derby, I don't think Derby have been that bad. So, yeah, Wolves are just. Well, hey, Tom, Tom, embarrassing. T- 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 take a breath, Basil wants to say something. <laughs> Um, the only away game I went to this season was at Old Trafford and the Manchester United fans were awful there. But I have to say they were brilliant every time they came to ours, um, the noise they made and whatever. But I also want to say an honourable mention to Brighton for um, their Champions of Sussex. You'll never sing that chant, which was absolute genius. And absolutely true. So um, thank you very much, panel. Um, now it's time for this. 1865. Yes, that red. Yes, yes, yes. It's the return of Guess That Red, which has taken a break for a few months. But now Tom is going to ask us five questions about a Forest player, past or present. And us as the panel will have to shout out and see if we can guess who it is. So do play along at home, won't you? And over to you, Tom. Right. So the questions for Guess That Red this week are, so question one is, I was born in Perez Zaladon. Is that even a place? Yes, it's a place. No. Not a clue. I'll move on. My surname, this is, is Gamboa. Oh, it's on the tip of my tongue. Yeah. Right, question. Go on. Is it Hildeberto Pereira? No, it isn't. Oh, I was a stab in the dark. Okay, <laughs> keep going. <laughs> so, question three. I've represented my country at three World Cups. Stephen. Go on. Gonzalo Jara? No. Rich. Go on. Kalo Navas. It is Kalo Navas. Yay! So, the other two questions would have been, um, I started my career at Saprissa in Costa Rica. And Never heard of them either. <laughs> and I've got 110 caps for my country. Nuestro potero, Kelo. Gracias. <laughs> Your last one should have been, he's won more than you. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think we've got another moment for social media there. <laughs> okay. So, so thank you very much, Tom. And thank you, everyone. Thank you to today's panel, Tom, Stephen, and Baz. Thank you to Jeremy for the sketch. And thank you as well to our special guests, Mark Dennison and Ellie Mollison. Uh, thank you also to Callum and Married on the Midlands for contributing. And Adam, even though he was busy and couldn't contribute this weekend. Our other contributors this season include Amilka, Zigazaga Pete, our guest match reporter George Ed- Edwards, and all of the opposition fans who can kindly contributed to our match reports throughout the season. We also have a special mention for our canine producers, Romeo and Winston, and the 1865 podcast for her regular contribu- contributions. We'd also like to thank FanHub for rewarding match-going supporters. You'll have seen us mention them on our social media feeds. We also would like to say thank you to our new friends at Football Prizes for providing Forest supporters with the chance to win signed goodies via our social media. And of course, to the Sports Social Podcast Network for providing us with support and keeping us on the air. Most of all, thank you, listener, for joining us throughout the season. A memorable season. What a year it's been. Ups, downs and everything in between. And thank you for your comments on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube and TikTok. If you like what you hear, please do share our podcast in the usual ways or leave us a review. And we'll be back very soon with a special podcast celebrating one of our miracle men, which will be in your feed very soon. Until then, from me, Rich Ferraro and the entire 1865 team, do look after yourselves and each other. Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.